Whether you're pre-trib or pre-RAF, it's important to dispose of the pretense that expensive insurance is something that you're stuck with. Most people don't shop around for better insurance rates until years after they get their policies. And with the price of a loaf of bread slowly approaching a day's wages, it's important to save where you can. That's why the Better Insurance Agency is here to help with options for home, auto, life, and small business insurance. Visit us online at www.thebetterquote.com or call us at 540-200-8646 today to see about switching to a better insurance company. Currently available only in Virginia and Tennessee. Please note that if you're listening to this commercial after the rapture has taken place, the Better Insurance Agency is probably closed. I can start with an interesting story in the pediatric facility I worked. There is There was two buildings. So the original building, there is, um, I'm going to call it a ghost, because that's what you can call it, of a little girl pulling a, wa- a wagon. And multiple people have seen this. I did not particularly. And there's a lot of experiences that happen in this older building. And I'll never forget one night I was uh, the security guard. I was supervisor, and they had to the immunizations for one of the clinics, the fridge went off. So I said to the security guard at three in the morning, would you drive me over there? I don't, I'm not comfortable walking. And then he's telling me the story. And, you know, I've talked to some other coworkers at that time. And I'm just going to straight up say, I do not believe that's a child. I believe that's a spirit or ghost or maybe even an evil spirit. I'm not going to denote it that it is or isn't, but it's not a child. That is not the God that I've served. My name is Elia Marzulli, and you're listening to The Dig. We should read our Bible as men digging for buried treasure. The Bible is the world's most popular enigma. Secrets lost to cultures beneath the sands of time. Or is it? It is the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of kings is to search things out. God wants you to seek, to read his word, to to look for that knowledge. He wants you to do that. And the people at Nicaea, they like chopped out 80 books of the Bible. We need to bring those back. There's more bad guys in this thing than a Bruce Willis. Oh, yeah. Let's back it up here. I I love the intro to your show because it's exactly right. There's these nuggets of gold in his word. You guys always sign the show. You, you gotta dig it. Dig it. Show us your nuggets. God, our creator, lies outside of time and space and matter. I feel like God's be like, hello, McFly. You ain't got it so far, then. There are secret societies think that they are the descendants of the giant. I mean, isn't, isn't this exciting? I mean, you read it, it's like, wow. Nephrology Roundtable. 
but these angels were taken to help immediately. Do not pass gold, do not collect $200, you're out of the game. Dirty hands means clean theology. Can you dig it? Welcome back to the Dig Bible Podcast. I'm Ben. I'm Steve. And we're back. Ben, would you like to go ahead and pray for us? Dear Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for this time of us fellowshipping together, talking about you. Lord, please give us discernment. As we've said before, Lord, uh, we're trying to reach the one, two people that we need to reach. Lord, so please give us the words that we need to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, welcome back, everybody. Um, this today is kind of a continuation of our series on the veil. We've talked a little bit about um, a few different aspects when we're talking about the beginning of life and faith like a child. Uh, our second one was talking about our separation from God and the, and the tearing of the veil in the temple. So we're look, trying to look at all these different aspects of the veil. And today, special treat, we have with us Marie Betcher, um, a prior hospice nurse, and we're going to talk about the veil and kind of the experiences that people have at the end of life and that thinning of the veil that comes at the end of life when we're that much closer to being with God, um, hopefully, if, uh, if uh, we have that relationship. And our whole goal, obviously, is to have as many people as we can have that relationship with God so that, you know, we, we as we say many times, that we populate heaven and empty out hell. So that's really our overall goal. Uh, Marie is a podcaster with two separate shows, Hospice Encounters and Hospice Explained. And uh, we are just simply delighted to have her on the show, and we are really, really excited. Uh, Marie, how you doing? I'm good, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on the Earth Show. Oh, this is going to be fun. Ben, how you been? Working. <laughs> you work a lot. Trying to get this truck going. You... Uh, <sighs> So, Ben, Marie, if you didn't know, Ben has about, um, I don't know, 14 Jeeps in his yard. So, oh, there, there's nine. He's a Jeep maniac. And two of them are his. And that's that's beside so. the point. I, I'm not going to deny that the new Bronco is pretty beautiful. Uh, Those are beautiful vehicles. I had I a 95 them. Bronco. I did like Gotta it. I did like yeah. it. It is Eddie Bauer. It is pretty, oh, pretty nice. nice. Love it. Should have never Very sold cool. it. <laughs> I say that about a lot of my cars, though. <laughs> right. Well, we had them for what a reason. What about you? Oh, buddy, same old. About uh, what'd you say? Tomorrow we're gonna go wrangle a cow. We're gonna wrangle. I gotta take. We do our own. We we try to preach a little bit of self sufficiency in in this day and age. Okay. So we do a lot of um, our own uh, farming and our own. Uh, uh, if you call it gardening. Our own gardening. <laughs> well, we do some gardening, but we do our own farming, some animals, uh, like farm-to-table type stuff, if you know what I mean. So tomorrow we're taking a, a beef in. So um, that's always exciting. Some people don't like to know where their food comes from. I like to know what's in my food. So that's that's where we kind of come that's, from from that's there. That's the main thing. We both sure. do chickens and, yeah. yeah. I think that's a good idea. Well, well Marie... We are, like I said, excited to have you on. I kind of want to ask you, I know you've, you're not currently a hospice nurse, but you, ha you were a hospice nurse, and 
it's a very difficult profession. And I kind of want to know what drove you, or I shouldn't say drove you, but that, that inspired you to become a hospice nurse because it's such a, a emotional roller coaster with hospice because you're dealing with the death and dying and, and families that are struggling and families that are, they don't understand what's happening. And it's so easy for us on the outside to look in and say, oh, well, this is what's going on. But when you're going through it, the struggle is so much more real. So what, what took you down that path? Well, that's a great question. It's, it's probably going to start with, I, you know, as a nurse, my mom, I, so my parents had me when they were older in life. They were 44 and 47. So I am, you know, a tag along child. And so my mom died when I was just 30. So as, <laughs> what year was that? 1996, there's no internet. As a nurse, I'd been a nurse, I think eight years. Yeah, eight years and, or nine, something like that. And I, I couldn't, I, you know, struggling through, cause I was in the surgical section or pediatrics and it's medical and surgical and get better and discharge. So my mom is on this, you know, downward slant and she went on her little hill for a few years. She was a slow, slow roll. But when it got really close, I just, you know, we asked everybody, asked everybody else. There's just no resources. And we were able to get help and we were able to, you know, all the pieces got put into place and it was a peaceful, she had a peaceful passing. And even back then, and I can go back into many, many stories, but like I was thinking mom was such a saint and she was a good, good Christian woman. I, I got so much from my mom and dad and I'm like, heaven's going to open and the angels are going to sound and trumpets, you know, I'm, I'm young, 30 and, you know, nothing happened. But um, the night before mom died, we called her sister and I said, you know, mom's dying. And they're like, you know what tomorrow is? Tomorrow's 40 days, 40 days, 40 years from the day that big mama died, which was my mom's mom. And so my two sisters and I were in the room and we all looked around and we're like, and said to my dad, mom's dying tomorrow. And she did. So that was the only big like spiritual thing that I remember that was really profound, but she did. And I'm thinking we had all day with her, but nope, she died at eight o'clock in the morning or eight 30 in the morning. And then 10 years later, so now I've been a nurse for a long time. I'm working in a pediatric facility and my dad's not well, but he went downhill quick. He had pancreatic cancer and went from diagnosis to death in exactly six weeks. So we had a kind of got on the freight train with dad and as my dad was dying, a couple of days before he died, he said, I see. So he's laying on his bed in the hospital bed in a room. It's in this house, actually, upstairs in my bonus room. And he had a hospital bed. And uh, I think a dozen of us were at least in the room because we were all just having that Sunday afternoon. Dad's not going to last much longer. And he looks up and he goes just quietly and he says, I see the great beyond. And it's beautiful. And it's like, what you see? What do you see? I want to know what you see. And I asked him like 50 questions probably in, in like 30 seconds. Dad, dad, dad. You know, and he's he's end of life dying. And I told my son, turn the lights off, turn the lights off. You know, because it's just, I want to make sure he's not seeing something else. So he didn't describe, you know, anything, but it's the great beyond. And that's the best he could say, but he could see it. He was just laying in his bed and he could see it. And 
So I just want more of that. And, you know, I've been a Christian since I was a wee young one. You know, mom sent me to Sunday school and I, I don't think I was quite three. And they said, do you want Jesus? And I said, yes, you know, really, really early on. So I look for these stories. I listen for these stories. And that's probably where my my one desire to work hospice, I realized what a blessing I didn't even meet the, but the admitters, you know, cause I was at work one day and, you know, dad was only on hospice six days, but you don't know. So I did we just didn't really know how long dad had. And, but I remember thinking, I want to be a hospice nurse and I didn't become a hospice nurse. I would say five or six, I can't remember exactly the timeline of when I became a nurse, hospice nurse. And so then I worked hospice and I, loved it. I I mean, just loved it. I loved spending the time. I don't think I could ever spend enough time with people. That's really where my podcast grew out of. And the truth is, is I just shared all the experience from every patient that I had that died. You know, it's like every single one of us are unique and different. And we all are going to end up dying different as we all live different. And everybody doesn't die exactly the same, but yet they do, right? There's many pieces we can bring to that. And and so anyway, I that's where probably Hospice Explained was born is this moment where I can't do this. I can't work full-time hospice. And yet, so if I can teach on a podcast, I can teach a lot of people, right? I can, as many people as listened to it that day, and here we are. So I do Hospice Explained. And that is my non-Christian, it's just a safe place, no matter what you believe, because I believe that all people, and this is this is true for the medical world, you don't go to a hospital because you believe one thing, you know you're going to get treated for medical care and you're going to get treated equitably and fairly. And that's where I, I feel like the podcast is. I just want to bring all these different people that care about the end of life and I interview as many people as I can and do education. So I've done that and I continue to do that. And then I have hospice encounters because I read this book by John Burke called Imagine Heaven, Near-Death Experiences, God's Promises, and the Exhilarating Future That Awaits You. And that book, in that book, he said, you got to tell your stories. I said, oh, I've got a lot of stories. Because, <laughs> you know, you, you talk about them, you sit sit at the nurse's station at three in the morning, you're telling stories or you sit on talk to friends. And so here I am now in our podcast world, sharing the encounters. And I, I might, I might change the name to from hospice encounters or hospice encounters and the great beyond or something. I'm not sure it's, it doesn't have as many episodes and they're real short. So people can really just listen quick and enjoy and move through them. But I think I rambled. Sorry, guys. No, that's, I've listened and I really enjoy it. And there are some people like for us, a lot of times we'll go, you know, uh, hour and a half, whatever with someone or something of that nature. It just depends on, like I said, how it goes. But I, some people don't like to sit down and listen to something that's that long. <laughs> some people like those bite-sized chunks. And I was able to sit down, get into one, you know, hear an amazing story from someone and then jump into another one, you know, right away. And it's, 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 um, a little bit, uh, you, you kind of get into it and you want to keep going because there's so many amazing stories. It's, it's, it's really well, it's really well done. It's, it's really well put together. 
um, your interview style is excellent. The way that you handle that. I love listening to it. So uh, you're doing an excellent job. I love it. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, going a little further forward, I wanted to, we've been doing this series, like I said, on the veil, and that's where I thought it was such a good idea to bring you in for this because we talked about the, you know, uh, beginning of life, children, you know, God always says, have faith like a child. We need to, you know, enter, enter heaven through the eyes of a child. So we, we started with that aspect and that side of it. If, if somebody hasn't listened to that one yet, I think that's a really good episode. It's, it's really kind of, um, has some unique ideas and some things, you know, that's scripturally based, but some unique ideas in there. And then we went into the veil of the temple and talking about our separation from God. And one part of that, I think, really comes into this. And that's where when the temple uh, veil was torn and we talked about the size of that veil when we went back through uh, Jewish tradition and things of that nature, the, the, the veil was 60 feet tall and three to four inches thick. So when you have something that big, ta- like you were the talking fabric. about it, that it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, how hard is it for some people to rip their shirt? <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, obviously big old buff guys, they can rip it pretty easy, but sew three shirts together and rip it. You know, no, that's crazy. Four inches? That's ridiculous. So if we look at that too, the part that was really, the part that kind of per- comes into this for me is that, it was torn from top to bottom. So we see God coming down to us in Jesus' death at showing that in our death as well, we no longer have separation from God. So that's in my belief, and we've gone through this stuff before, but that's, you know, if you go back to the Old Testament, it talks about Sheol and um, things of that nature. But at that point, that's when I believe that heaven is when all the people who were in Sheol end up going to heaven. It's a whole nother story for a whole nother time. Um, it gets, it can get pretty deep, pretty fast in here. And I apologize. But um, with the veil, I think that when we see that part where in Jesus death, the curtain rips, our separation from God is no longer there, but we see that in death. So as we get closer to our own death, as, as, as we see this in this end of life process, there seems to be a thinning of the veil to some degree. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to know your ideas on what the veil, what that means to you. And then on top of that, kind of just expound on that in the way that um, uh, a couple of experiences that you've had that you see the the spiritual. And I think maybe start with some of the more common ones that you kind of see some commonality across the board. Um, I know not everybody's going to have the same experience. But start with some of the more common ones that you see and that, you know, someone listening to this might say, oh, my gosh, that happened to my father. Or maybe they're going through something right now and you can give them some some peace some solace on something of that nature as well. Absolutely. This is going to be the interesting thing that keeps coming to my mind when make a noise when somebody dies and if you're present. So not everybody's even had this opportunity. But. Even if you thought of an animal, and I believe animals have spirits because an animal is, we'll just go with it simply. They're just, they're exuberant. They love you. They love you. But when they're gone, nothing, nothing. You don't feel that presence, right? And that's the one thing I would say for people when they're gone, there's no presence. Their eyes 
their eyes change. There is just an absence. So I really feel like that's, for me, there's a spirit. There's a spirit. I think our spirits leave. I And I think they leave at different times. This is something I've read and thought about multiple times. When do they go? And I thought, you know, I don't think they all go at the same time. I don't think they all go at last breath, you're gone. Maybe, maybe they're halfway. Maybe they're, you know, they're not suffering. Maybe God's got them in this waiting place. Maybe God's got them in the waiting room of heaven. I just don't always feel like the spirit is always there, but I do believe they hear. I think, I think heaven's so close that we get to speak to it, right? So how would, why wouldn't it be so close that we couldn't speak to our loved one who's right up there? I read, and I want to say it's in this book by John Burke, but it might not be, but it's a story of a man that it was in the ICU for a couple months and he was on a beach and I've never heard anything like this, but he said he was just waiting. He didn't know what he was waiting for. He saw people walking by. The water never changed, you know, he was never cold or hot. He didn't describe if he was in clothes or, you know, put swimsuit. He didn't describe anything like that, but he was just waiting. And you know what that tells me? He was in the ICU for two months. Let's just use that as an example. He wasn't suffering because mm -hmm. they're suffering in so many ways. When you're artificially ventilated, they sedate them and they were trying to save his life and they must have, you know, obviously because he was able to come back and say, this is what my experience was. So that was kind of one thing because I was thinking about the subject because we in our emails is, yeah, where are people? I think, when do they die? Good question. When, <laughs> when there is no breathing, when there is no heart rate, yes, they're gone. We know that when, but does somebody stick around an extra hour? We don't know. Maybe their spirit hangs around. Do right. I don't have a particular story about that, but I have a belief that some people stick around a little bit longer because maybe they just didn't quite have some finished business, but not for days and months and weeks. And I don't believe in ghosts. So I want to pause and say there's a, you know what I mean? A big difference there. That yeah. makes me think of that story you said before about the guy on the, ER table or whatever. Oh, that well, that's that other book. I had asked you about that. There's a Maurice Rawlings, yes. um, an ER physician that that went in as an atheist, and we've talked about his book before called To Hell and Back, and that is an amazing book about very similar encounters. And he's all people that he was able to interview that had um, basically left their body and came back were dead and had been revived, and some multiple times. And it's just unbelievable the stories and some people what happens is they'll tell this while they're on the table and then when they're stabilized and they're back and they're, they don't remember any of it so it made me think of the guy that were you saying he was they're like working on his heart or mm -hmm. something and they would move and and it would stop and when they'd move something again and his heart would start pumping again or whatever. They were trying to put and, the pacemaker in. Like and the he would come back screaming, I'm burning. I mean, and then he'd he's back and then he'd go out again, come back screaming. And he'd ask for, he asked for a priest. And then when they brought in and somebody prayed, he did it again and he came back all peaceful. It was, it was wild. Pretty the amazing story stories in, the in, those, in that book. Um, 
I do actually have one that uh, I kind of experienced with somebody as well. And I had a gentleman that told me he passed away. Mm-hmm. And, and then he, I talked to him the day after this happened. He said, I passed away. And I was in line and I was standing there and I looked ahead and there's a, a guy standing up and he was, I think he called him the arbitrator. He was standing mm-hmm. at this, at this uh, desk and, and everybody in this line was going up to this desk. And when you got to the desk, he told them either to go left or right and you would get on a train on either side going in opposite direction, whatever side he told you to go on. And he said when he got to the table, he said, nope, you're early. And then he was back in his body. Wow. And I, I was, I mean, it was a pretty amazing story. He's just like, I, I, don't, story. I, I don't know what to make of that. And I don't understand. You know, I, it's interesting because we'll never know. Maybe God uses something in a certain way to speak to just, each person. Yeah, something yeah. that's going to reach a person in a certain way or, or comfort somebody in a certain way. I'm not sure. But um, it, I think that was pretty interesting. Uh, one other thing, and I wanted to ask you about this, and we'll, we'll keep going. I know you have, uh, like I said, you're going to have way better stories than me. Um, I have one really cool one that, we'll, that I'll go into in a little bit, but what I've seen numerous times with people who are very much at the end of life, and I, I remember being with somebody, um, actually I remember this multiple times, where they say they see children. And I don't know how often that's happened with you, but these they I hear that they're usually playing ball and they're they see the children, they're in their room. And I was sitting there one day and I was talking to someone, um, and they told me, Can you tell that kid to knock it off? That ball's giving me a headache. Okay, and I, I looked and said I said, What kid? And she goes, He's standing right next to you looking at you. And I said, um, I, I have to go. <laughs> I'll be back later. I, it just gave me chills because mm-hmm. you, you, you know, most people call, and that's something I found was kind of interesting. Most people call those things hallucinations. But what is a hallucination? Is just something that somebody else isn't seeing. You're experiencing that they're not. My wife's also an occupational therapist also. And she's said that she's a couple of the older patients that she's had would just be like, oh, so-and-so's, you know, like boiling water in the kitchen, tell them to go Mm -hmm. turn it off. And she's like, there's nobody here, you know, (laughs) and And, and just different, you know, different stories like that. And if you're not spiritual, if you don't have that connection, if you don't understand certain things, or, or if you don't even understand just the death and dying process, that this this those hallucinations somebody will pass oh they're just you know they're they're delirious or they're that and I don't I don't believe that to be true I believe there's a thinning of that veil like we talked about a little bit earlier where you may see somebody if you look uh, go back to I think this is a great one if you look at Genesis uh, twenty five seven and eight. It says Abraham lived for 175 years and he died at the ripe old age, having lived a long and satisfying life. He breathed his last and joined his ancestors in death. How many times do you hear someone say, oh, they're reaching out for their husband or their wife or they're reaching out for a family member? That happens. I've seen that happen. I 
I haven't told this story yet. I'll tell you a quick story. When my mother-in-law was dying, she, um, my husband, all of a sudden, we'd been doing this for seven days. My husband goes, I got to go. And I said, your mom's going to die soon. And he goes, I got to go. And then I walked out to the car and he goes, I said, what's up? And he says, I just feel like her angel can't come if I'm here. Or I don't, he didn't, that's the best example he could say. And he says, she, she's not going to die while I'm here. And I said, okay. So I walked back in the house, walked in her room. She was alone at that moment. Everybody else was in the, um, the living room at that point. And I was like, there's an angel in this room. I knew there was a presence and I was like, okay, I'm not leaving this room. It, it wasn't brighter. It wasn't, it was just, there was a physical presence in the room. And when I'd say it was about an hour, she, I can use my hands. Let's see if I can see them with the camera. They're way up there. Okay. So she had her hands, you know, on side of each of her body and she did just barely, and I'm doing it four times better. Just, it was just this imperceptible. I was like, oh, I knew she went. I, it was just that, it was like, you know, the, that's up and out. And I've seen that multiple times. It's just this just imperceptible, just like raising of a finger, you know, like the, it's like the spirit is releasing the body or something, or the body's releasing the spirit and, and the spirit can go and the body has to stay. That's amazing. It, you know, it, it, in ways like that, I think that, and I've said this before, you know, when you have someone pass or someone close to you that you love, if you don't have that faith, how do you cope with that? You know, you think about this, that if you know where that person is, if, if you know, I, I, my father passed away less than a year ago and it, it very unexpected was not supposed to happen. But I know I know where he is. You have the comfort of knowing. And I know that. And it's tough. And actually, it's funny because I, I found this verse like 20 minutes before you, we called you. And I thought this was, and maybe this could be comforting for somebody else in the same situation. But Isaiah 57, 1, good people pass away. The godly often die before their time, but no one seems to care or wonder why. No one seems to understand that God is protecting them from the evil to come. And that was, I, I mean, uh, pardon my language, but that's pretty damning right there. <laughs> it's pretty. Well, <laughs> well, just think about that verse and think about how many people, grandparents or somebody's like, man, if Papa had to live through this, he'd have killed somebody. Yeah. Or they, yeah. they, they wouldn't. They wouldn't handle that. No. Yeah. And, I mean, I hear that all the time. Yeah. It's true. It's true. There's a lot of folks that would not handle. And, you know, maybe it's just based on our years of life and what we've gone through and what is going on on the earth. I mean, we all have what we can tolerate and what we can't. Yes. Some of us is more vocal than <laughs> others about it, too. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. Yes, you are, Ben. I have to rein <laughs> myself back a lot. <laughs> I understand. Well, so what were what are some of the more common things that you have seen when when you're when you're with someone when they're passing or you know when the, in that sometimes that 24 48 hours, sometimes even a week 
you kind of see a change in somebody and that's when you kind of know it's getting close you know and in the medical world when you're talking about people who are hospice then they transition to what they call actively dying and it's it's a it's a change when all of a sudden they're saying it's going to happen you know in the next couple of days that's their assumption so i mean what are things that you see that change that you see happen with those people uh, let's see here sometimes it's hard when you're like in the hospital it's harder i feel like it's easier at home to see these changes and you know there's just a withdrawing they they kind of pull away they um they i think honestly when they get to that peaceful point they just start well of course they sleep i mean physiologically there's they sleep more they withdraw they they just it's like they're coming away from this world and they're preparing for the next. Um, here's an interesting one. My dad, when I talked about him being in that hospital bed, I just got it for him on that Sunday that I talked about that evening. The morning, he I couldn't get him out of his chair. You know, he goes from walking to the bathroom and then, you know, he couldn't even get out of his chair. So I had ordered a hospital bed. It came and he got in the bed and I just sitting there in his chair watching him during the day. And I watched him reach up and shake somebody's hand. And I was like, he's talking to somebody, you know, and this is what, like you mentioned it, it's called um, visioning instead of hallucinations. It's just, and I, I think absolutely he was talking to somebody. It's like, hi, oops, Nice to meet you. You know, that's like, you can even see his mouth moving. It's like, oh, he's saying, oh, I'm pretty good. And, you know, he did, he died. He went into what I like to consider a coma-like state where they can hear, but he didn't wake up um, after that night that he saw the great beyond. But when I saw him shaking somebody's hand, I called everybody, come on. Dad's got doesn't have much more time. He's he's getting really close. And besides the fact, physiologically, you know, his eating and drinking and and intake, and he needed oxygen, and you know, so many physiological things had changed. So you're watching for those physiological changes. Then I saw the the spiritual change. You know that he's talking to somebody that nobody else sees. I asked him, "Do you see anybody? Have you you seen animals, kids? Nope, he hadn't seen. He never told me he saw anybody." But the great beyond, which was like, yay, mm -hmm. I was excited about that. So I think, I think these are generic, but yet so similar is that there's physiological changes and then there's spiritual changes. And I think even, so do I know the, I think I'm going to go out on a limb a little bit. I really think that people who really didn't walk or know the Lord, I think there's some time in this space because we're in time and they're out of, they can jump out of time. I think they jump out of time periodically and they could have a conversation with God and God could say, you know, have you thought about this? Have you thought about, and maybe there, there's a lot of people getting saved in those days. We, we really don't know, but God can use all the little seeds that we have given over the years. Um, I do believe that you do need to help people through, you know, as far as praying and, and being with them and physiologically helping them too, of course. But it's interesting. It's just, that's of course a subjective thought, but does that answer? I think I rambled. Does that answer? You are not rambling. I'm loving it. 
Well, I, on on that topic there, I mean, it's like Revelations. It says, you know, you have the two witnesses. You, mm-hmm. You've you've just went. You're going through the trip. You know, the tribulation. Right. You've got the two witnesses. You've got the hundred forty four thousand, and then you have angels going to and fro. It's like I'm giving you one more chance, one more chance, one more chance, and yeah. and and it it could be like like that story about the guy on the hospital bed or on the operating table. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, hey, here's your little taste. Mm-hmm. Is that what you want? Here's another little taste. Okay, you, you got it figured out. Good job. And, and you never know. Especially if it's, you know, to the point to where they're not really talking or responding. Us, right, us, us living don't won't realize that. But right. I think, you know, he, he don't want us to go to hell. So why would he not? We'll give him one little last chance right before they go. Straighten it up. And there you go. I, I just have to believe that. You know, that's exactly what, like you said, he wants to give us more chances. But I don't know. That's the thing. We won't know until we get there. Right. Let's just hope that we don't need extra chances when we get there. So <laughs> let's let's hope and pray. And that's that's what we said before. And this is a big yeah. part of the whole point of this, of, of what we do, a whole point of why we do this is, is as many people out there as we can. And we always say if we can reach just that one person that God wants us to reach, then they yeah. won't have to go through something awful. They won't have to go through something terrible as far as the death experience. But, I, I mean, we're all going to struggle in life. We're all going to have tough things that happen. We're all going to face adversity. But when you have God in those things, it's so much easier than when you don't. Oh, yeah, so, for sure. So it's, it's you know, it says God went, you know, he's went before you to, to make a way. Prepare a place. And, and if, if you, I'm just you know, in your troubles and all that, you just have to to have faith and go through it. You're going to come out stronger or better at the other end, or you're going to die. And I was in the military, and it was always, okay, I, I do this stuff, and if I die, I win anyways. So so there's really no losing in in my aspect, but if you're not saved there's losing (laughs) so but well i think i kind of want to go into um some of the more uh unique things that have happened some of the more unique encounters and i'll start you off with one here and i wish he was with us tonight justin is the third member of our group but uh, his work schedule has been pretty hectic lately all over the place Uh, all over the place so um he shared this story with us before, which is why, and he shared it on the show, so I know it's okay for me to bring it up, but um, Justin had his grandmother who was passing away, and she had been kind of in and out, um, you know, intermittently there and not really there, and I believe that's kind of what you spoke to, how sometimes you can be maybe in this reality and then in that reality at times as well. Um. But uh, she was, in their words, hallucinating a lot. You know, the the people that were with her, hospice nurses, things of that nature. Which, like I said, hallucinating, it's just a term to say you're seeing something that somebody else isn't seeing. And he says that, um, you know, they, they call them one day and says she's pretty clear today, but she's really close. 
you know, you can you you guys should be here today. So they went over and he said they're talking and, you know, she's pretty clear that day, but she'd still randomly look around and she's talking to family members that aren't there that have passed on. And it's that's a fairly common thing, like we've said, but his sister shows up and when she walks in, um, his grandmother is rocking a baby and there's no baby. There's there's no baby, but he's rocking a baby and his sister looks down and asks her like, you know, Oh, who's, who's, um, you know, baby, are you rocking? And she goes, what kind of mother doesn't know her own child? And it turns out she had had a miscarriage that day. And it is just blows your mind. She ran out. No one knew. No one knew that it happened. She ran out of the room upset, obviously. And she told everybody later that she had had a miscarriage that day. And her grandmother is sitting there rocking her baby that has already passed on into heaven. I mean, can you imagine just the, I mean, it, it's obviously, I can't imagine what people go through, but to know that your baby's already in heaven. And we've gone over this before. I 100% believe every aborted baby, every stillborn, every um, you know child that dies at birth, every, you know, they're all in heaven. I 100% believe that. But to know that you've been through that, you've been through a miscarriage, and that your child is up there waiting for you. That's amazing. I'm, sp- I'm speechless. I'm going to be honest. That is... I'm just absorbing it. I'm going to be honest. I'm just absorbing that. If you just, as a woman and a mother, I did not have any miscarriages. And I thanked God because I, I mean, I remember saying when I was pregnant with the first, I don't want to go through that. I don't, I don't want to do that. And God was gracious and answered that prayer. And so I have three beautiful children. They are adults. And I, I just, I, I grieve with people when they lose someone and that that is just that's just so profound and special my name's nick i'm the owner of kevlar joe's and i'm the roaster i'm an air force security forces veteran a dad to three wild boys and a husband to my wife crystal and a coffee enthusiast from a family in a small town in missouri we started with the simple idea of crafting a perfectly bold cup of coffee Inspired by wellness and countless pots of stale coffee while deployed, we wanted to craft a bold, clean, and smooth coffee. So we did. And we realized we wanted to share this coffee with our friends. Lord knows we could all use a good cup of coffee right about now. From the farm to your coffee cup, there's nothing like a good, well-crafted, and bold cup of coffee. No matter what time of the day, it's there to pick you up, motivate you, and relax you. We hope you enjoy our coffee. Be bold, be humble, be Kevlar. And you can find Kevlar Joe's Coffee Company anytime you want at www.kevlarjoe.com. And for listeners of the Dig Bible Podcast, use the code, all caps, DIG20, whenever you're checking out to get a 20% off discount. Enjoy. Now, I've told you the, the most profound story that I know in that in that in that space i'd like to hear a couple of your more um i I don't want to say fringe because that that kind of makes it sound you know unbelievable but i want to hear some of the the more interesting things that you've seen that 
you where you really get a handle on uh, how that veil is really really thinning at that time. Okay, let's just go with my angel story. So I worked 12-hour night shift. I was a nurse. I was a supervisor, and I worked long. I mean, let's face it. You got to commute. It's a long day, and I came home, and I was exhausted. I probably tried to lay down. My husband, my youngest was still home, but she had gone to school, so my husband's at work. Youngest, I just couldn't settle down. I went and took a bath, and I remember it very well. And I was sitting up. I have a good-sized tub, but I was sitting up, and I started falling forward. And it was this shoulder, and a hand stopped me from falling forward on with my shoulder. And I woke up. Nobody's there. So there's a veil, but when they need to, they can come through it, right? So backwards in time, I was, I'm going to say 17 or 18. I really couldn't give you an exact date went to visit a friend who lived on the south side of the airport and I lived on the north side. So I was coming home, it's probably midnight. So I'm coming home about midnight and I'm in my mom's six cylinder Ford Fairmont. We're not four door, big white, you know, car. And so there's somebody behind me. I didn't notice it. I don't know how long they'd been behind me, but they're tailgating me this close that I could not see the taillights, except as, as you know, as cars sometimes go a little bit off of each other, I, I flash, I saw this little bit of flash and I looked up and I'm like, there is somebody like literally right behind me and I'm getting on a freeway on ramp and they're following me, you know, I don't, you know, wherever 45 miles an hour at this point, you know, we're speeding up to, I think 55 at the time. And they pass me on a single lane, right? So they pass me and they go around to my left. So the correct type of passing, but it's on my left and there's no lane, you know, so I had to pull over into the, um, you know what I'm thinking? Shoulder. The, um, shoulder. shoulder. Yeah. So I'm moving on. I had to move quickly over to the shoulder and I pointed them as they w drove by, I pointed them to heaven with my middle finger. I literally have never done it again. You was telling Just, them they're number one. Okay. Yeah. Good deal. <laughs> I I was like I said, seventeen or eighteen. I'm like, wow, you know, but you're crazy, you know. And I'm just thinking, this person's just literally thinking they're crazy, and they of course were. And so then they they got furious. This enraged them beyond beyond natural. Just enraged them. So they paced me, you know, like that. And of course they were so close that I'm like. I'm young. I'm not a, I'm not a IndyCar driver, but I'm like, you know, try to speed up, try to slow down. Try, and I'm like, what am I going to, so God forgive me. I said, God, please forgive me and save me. You know, I don't know what I'm doing here. And then I, and I darted off to one of the first exits and he drove up the gravel and chased me. And I was like, there's a light at the end and there's no traffic, by the way, there's just nobody. This is 40 years ago. There's not a soul on the road. And, you know, the only cup person I told her, somebody way back when, they're like, I would have ran, drive this way. Well, there was nowhere to drive. There was, I wasn't taking him to my house, you know, and banging on the door and asking for dad. Um, that's if I could have. There's, you know, there's so few things, you know, drive up to the police station. Well, no, 
my luck, nobody would have been there. There's, there's so many things that went through my mind, but I just stopped. I had the, you know, the doors locked, you know, hand locking doors and they got out and they came up to my door and just were hysterical with me. They're, you know, pushing on the car, raising the car, shaking the car and just losing their stuff. And I'm like, just kind of looking at this guy and they stopped. He starts looking at my passenger seat. There's nobody in my passenger seat. This guy goes from hysterical to nothing. And he is just, his eyes glazed over. And I'm like, something's going on. Something's going on. You know, I'm thinking, there's, I'm even looking for an indent in the seat. There's nothing. And I'm like, that's my, then I, I it's my 17 year old self, you know, we didn't have a lot of, we didn't have podcasts. You know, you just had your little Lutheran sermons. And I'm thinking, I don't even see an indent in the seat. How big is this angel? You know, but obviously he's got this guy shut up. And here's an interesting piece. The guy just said, all of a sudden came back to and, and yelled at me and starts turn and walk away. He goes, don't, don't flip people off. And, and this bravery came out of my, my spirit, I think. And I said, I screamed back at him and I said, then don't tailgate people. You know, and of course I yelled it. Oh, he came marching back up and he's about ready to have, have a fit again. He looked at my passenger seat, just turned around and left. And I just, you know, I'm shaking. I'm like, Lord, I don't even know what happened, but thank you. And took, took the long way home just because I'm like, I have no idea if he's following me or whatever. Never saw him again. And I do have a solid hunch that it could have been the serial killer of that era because I think he was going to hurt me and I think he had every intent to hurt me and hurt me bad. Um, you, as I told my husband just yesterday, I said, you don't need your guardian angel for just any little circumstances, you know, you just don't. And I was naive. I made a foolish choice and thank God he protected me. That's amazing. That's unreal. I don't, Ben, do you ever have a guardian angel story? Well. I don't know. Kinda, I guess. We were in Iraq and we were setting off. We found an IED and I was up in the gun turret and something just said, I probably should get down. You know, they're counting all this, you know, five minutes, two minutes, whatever. I'm like, I, I probably should get down off out of this gun. And when they set the IED off, EOD was out there mm-hmm. blowing it up. Piece of shrapnel went through the gun turret where I was. My head would have been. Eesh. So I mean, I've got you know that experience, but I just carry guns. <laughs> <laughs> I got one that's that's funny because I never thought about it this way until you just said that, which I think is interesting. But when I was a little bit younger, um, we used to go up and go camping in the upper peninsula of Michigan. And we go in the middle of nowhere and, and just get lost for a couple weeks at a time, me and a couple of my buddies would go up there. And we went up to the Porcupine Mountains in the middle of uh, absolute middle of nowhere. And um, 
it rained for a couple days and finally on one of the last days like um about 6 p.m and it stays in up north michigan in the middle of the summer stays light till about 10 so we're like we it finally stops raining at six sun comes out all right we're gonna go for a hike we're gonna get out there let's do this so we pack up a co- our backpacks a couple fishing rods we're gonna try to find one of the lakes up there i think we we're going to um miracle lake or something like that i think it's called that i can't remember but we're hiking up and i mean some of this hiking these trails are really kind of tough to to follow tough to see and we're getting up there a ways and sometimes you have to get actually on your hands and knees to climb over rocks to get up things and things of that nature so you get so far out there and um you know it didn't really take we were not very smart let's just be honest we're college guys that really we're just having fun out in the woods trying to go fishing things like that and uh, it started getting dark really fast, really fast. With the canopy of the trees and how thick it was, it got dark. It went from, you know, just like that twilight to pitch black, like almost like in a cave. If you've ever been in a cave and they say, look at your hand and you can see. So we just happened to have a few flashlights on us. One of them, the battery burned out within five minutes of turning it on. We had two <laughs> other <normal>. ones. <laughs> the other one was a headlamp, but. One of my buddies was holding it. He tripped, fell, and smashed the bulb. We have one flashlight for four of us. Some of this is up and down, whatever. I have to tell you, on the way out there, we crossed through a river. We had to walk through the river. It was probably about 15, 20 feet across and maybe a little over, not quite waist deep, but good thigh deep. And we walked across this river, got out there. And when we're coming back, we're trying to follow this trail. We keep losing it. We keep losing it. And we get to the point where I'm in front and then we have to hold on to each other's packs so we can feel when you go up or down or up or down. And we keep going and I take the flashlight and I look off to the side and I'm like, man, are those deer? You start seeing eyes and there's another set of eyes and there's another set of eyes. There's about 12 sets of eyes and I'm watching as we're walking and they're following us. Eh, Deer don't follow you. They get a little closer and you start seeing the outlines. And it's a pack of wolves that, oh. that are following us. And they're staying right with us just off to the side, probably about 150 feet off to the side. And they're following the four of us. And so we start thinking, are we going to stop, set a fire, do whatever we need to do? We you have this one flashlight. You just them to lead you to your camp. <laughs> well, listen, we keep losing our way, have to keep backtracking to find this trail. We cannot find this river we crossed can't find it we have no clue we are lost as lost can be we're a hundred i mean those wolves stay right with us for two hours they're following right alongside us we get to a point where all of a sudden the foliage is so thick i knew we went the wrong way because it's just a wall we literally i took the, the the vines that were on there and pulled them aside and our tent was on the other side Never crossed back over the river. Never had it, had those wolves follow us for two hours and never saw another. I mean, just unbelievable. There's no way that that's not divine intervention. That's not something supernatural. That's not God watching over you. I know it's a little bit off um, off track of what we're talking about, but I just it's just amazing to see how God works in your life. And when people chalk those things up to coincidence, like you're talking about with your turret experience there. That's not coincidence. Oh, no. That's God saying he's not done with you yet. 
And I think that the same thing in your case. And actually, I think in your case, it might even been even deeper when you think about the fact this guy is it's so much rage. Mm-hmm. Is that demonic possession? Is that something mm-hmm. where, where and, and that demon sees that angel and you're seeing spiritual warfare in the flesh almost, like right there in front of you? Yes, that makes sense. I mean, that is just, it's powerful. And I believe that, that we don't always see it, but I, I believe that. I got chills to that. I got chills to that. <laughs> but I believe that that stuff's happening around us all the time. I think most of Absolutely. the time we don't see it. Sometimes we feel it, but we don't always see it. So kind of interesting. Let's see when you get a flat tire on the side of the road. You got to look at it as, well, maybe you got a flat tire because if you didn't, you'd have been T-boned by an 18-wheeler. At the next stoplight or yeah, something. You, you, never, never you never know. I do have a good highway story. So I was a traveling nurse. My, um, oh, I was a way, way young nurse and my I had a husband my husband and our one-year-old and I say we're in the midwest and it's the middle of it's probably two in the morning easily there's a pallet in the road and he woke up right before because I probably said Mike 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 and we're in a f-150 Ford pickup truck with a canopy and I'm driving and I don't remember but you know you're out in the middle of the highway you don't see things way far in the distance right you don't you, you just see it. It's there. I drove over it. Perfect. It was square in the road, like centered in the road. And I drove over it and that nothing. I, we both like listened, don't hear anything. We don't hear anything. The tr- tires are fine. Everything's fine. And then there's a rest stop soon after and it shook me up. So I'm like, look, you ready to drive? I'm, I need to switch. This rest stop was a weird one. I don't remember if it even had bathrooms. It was down a hill and it was very covered in bushes. And my husband's like, um, you know, jumped. We switched spots and he says, I'm going to get a sandwich real quick. So he makes a sandwich and then he starts the car up and he goes, oh, I, 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 I'm going to sit here and eat my sandwich or something. And he starts the car up and he says, you know, because it was cold and he goes, oh, I forgot to shut the cooler or something in the back of the truck. So he jumped out and then shut it and got back in and his face was white. And I'm like, and then he just like, we took off. And I'm like, what? And he goes, turn around. And he, there was a car that had come down. It was like a hill of a, this rest stop. They had come down the hill. I think their motor was off and the lights were off. They had meant, they, and we realized they had probably put that pallet there for us to, you know, probably get a flat tire and be stuck changing this tire by ourselves alone at night. And so wow. the Lord, yeah, I know. That's a scary story. My gosh. I tell you what, you've been through some things. I have, I have. I don't even. I never even think about that story. But my mom, oh, she was praying for me on that one. I got one more since we're going on this track. I love this. this I was is, gonna say, you know what I'd say. I get, carry a gun. Carry a gun. <laughs> it's my answer for everything. It's, carry it's a not gun. a bad answer, but carry you a know, gun. This was a lot. This was 1991. So different world. Yeah. All right, this is one. This one's a little quicker than my last one. I'm sorry I, I, if I have to cut some of this down. I will, but the um, when I was a kid, we were we lived in Montana for about a year, and uh, my dad told me this story a couple times, and and it it's, it always blew me away. And my dad was one of the most Christian people I'd ever met, just very very uh, um, on point with all those things. 
but he said that we were up driving in the mountains and we had this little, uh, uh, I think it was an escort station wagon, I think is what it was. And we would, we'd go up to, we lived about 20 minutes from Glacier National Park. So we weren't far away, but we'd drive up through the mountains and we would, you know, go through all the, it's pretty much what we did for every weekend. So we're coming, we're going on this um, mountain pass and there's a semi coming towards us. And, and, you know, in the lane they're supposed to be in. But apparently the semi behind him didn't want to wait anymore. So he comes around the side to pass him on one of those mountain roads that don't have guardrails, that, that have sheer cliff drops on the side. And my dad said he sees two semis coming directly at him. And we're there. I, there's no room for us to go around him. The, it goes straight up on one side, straight down on the other. All he can do is put his hands up and close his eyes and he's waiting for the impact and then he said it didn't happen and he turns around and both the semis are still right next to each other driving down the hill and somehow we're on the other side just unbelievable stuff but i do want to ask you a little bit and and i know we've kind of got off a little bit on some other supernatural things but i think it's amazing and awesome to look at all the different ways that god's worked in our lives that we see that he's used some of these miraculous things to show us evidence of him, but at the same right. time, right. show us that he's not done with us yet. There's a reason you're still here. There's a reason we're still here. And God has a purpose, a plan for us. And I think that everybody out there needs to understand he's got a purpose and a plan for every one of them. And it's so, so important that you look for that. Try to find that. Pray about it. Read your Bible. Get into it because there is a plan and a purpose for you. And you need to just, you need to try to search that out because there is something out there. But going back a little bit, um, let's back it up, Ben. Back it up. We're going to go back into a little more of maybe you, I heard you talk about that on the Unrefined podcast, the the kind of the more uh, unique um, experience that you had um, with a patient, uh, probably one of the most amazing ones I've ever heard. And I kind of okay. wanted you to go into that for us. Okay. I know what you're talking about. I know you do. <laughs> and I look back at that one and, and, and before I tell the story, I just want to share that it was super overwhelming and, and it's really interesting when you are faced with supernatural, like, like the story of this person that chased me. You don't talk about it necessarily because I can't even explain. It's like some people want to just share and share. But anyway, so I was working full-time hospice. I was working. I'm 99% sure this was a weekend because on the weekdays, I didn't see hospital patients. And so they sent me in. They added a hospital patient. And hospital patients uh, usually are different circumstances. This particular person I went and met and they're... They've got, you know, of course, 24-hour care, right? They're they're in a little different setup. And maybe they were hospital patient and then, you know, the family's like, they realize, okay, this this is, we've, we're going to change our direction to comfort. And there's just not enough time to go home and, and things set up. But anyway, this person had been admitted to our service. So I was, they we, we do daily visits when they're in the hospital. So it was probably like Saturday morning, I went and saw them. I might have saw them in the afternoon, but I saw their whole, this person's whole family. It was an older woman. So she had lived her full life. She's probably easily in her eighties. She's 
in a comatose state. She's asleep, appearing, breathing calm and easy, no, no funny noises or anything. And lovely family. And in fact, the sister says, I don't know why she's still here, you know. And I said, well, you know, tell me about, you know, is she spiritually not ready? Maybe she's just not ready. And she's, no, she's a Christian and went through her belief system and, you know, just went through things. And I was like, you know, we don't know. I don't, we don't know why people go when they go, right? Went to see them, this person, the next morning. So I had two admissions to do. They're timed. I have an appointment. I have to be at somebody's house. So I went to the hospital first thing in the morning, really like probably right as soon as my shift started, I arrived at the hospital. And so this patient is just breathing even slower. Everything's, you know, winding down. And so one thing I wanted to make sure is, you you know, you go to the hospital because you want to make sure the nurses are you know comfortable at the hospital because they don't always do this as much or maybe it's a float nurse or something and they're just not giving so there's medicine we can give them pain medicine we can give them anxiety medicine some of the medicines do both the both things because you want to make sure somebody's comfortable at their their last days so i knew this woman was a christian and i felt i did a short little exam you know you quietly i just leaned over and you know, barely put my stethoscope on her chest and I told her what I was doing and just softly talking to her and I put the oximeter on her hand and her finger. And so I know the signs, so she's dying. And I know I have an appointment in a short period of time and I was thinking about the nurse and I, you know, so you start thinking about it, it's, it's work, you know, in some ways you wanna sit there. I would have loved to just sat there with her and held her hand and talked to her. But, you know, I'm thinking, well, her family's coming, somebody's coming, you know, you're thinking about all these things. And so I thought, you know, I'm, I'm just going to pray for her. So I just literally softly said this shortest, sweetest prayer to, to help her, you know, for have to peace. That's really what I was praying for. You know, may you have peace on your journey. And, you know, I don't remember my exact words, to be honest. Anyway, you know, I get, gather my bag and, and at the end of the bed, you know, how you just, you're just kind of looking, but you're looking, you're not looking. Something's not right here. I can't explain it. And I'm walking and I'm looking and, you know, I see everything there, but it's like there was more depth. I can't, I've tried to think about this so many ways because it's not an earthly way to explain it. So that's why I have a hard time. So I went and I looked back and I was at the door and I'm like, something is there. Some I've got to look, something is there to see. And it was like, I didn't realize it. I'd so... I'm a massive Star Trek fan. I'm going to own massive. I like, and I watched Stargate the movie years ago, but I had never watched the um, TV series. So I hadn't really thought about it. So fast forward a few years after the situation happened, I realized what I saw was like a Stargate. So in the movie, they have that, that circle and the water effect. Like you're looking at a lake standing up or the ocean standing up and you just see these ripples. Sorry, I put my hand up. So I'm, it's like the air has this, this, um, these ripples in it. So that, that created a depth to it. And it was not like clouds, but like, it was misty. That's a good word. It was misty in the room. And, and the lighting was medium. The lights weren't on in the room, but it was daylight. The shade was pulled. So it's, it's dim lighting. 
And part of me is like, do I turn the light on? Do I not? Do, you know, you're starting to think, what do I do? What do I do? And I'm like, I'm just going to stand here and watch. And then you're looking at and nothing's happening. The patient's still breathing. And I'm like, I want to watch. I want to watch. I want to sit here. What? What? And then I'm like, but what if somebody comes out? What? What? What, what am I? <laughs> I'm laughing at myself now because I'm like, I could hear Tony from the confessionals going, I'd go in or, you know, I can hear all these people and be like, why didn't you just run in there? And, you know, it's like, well, I don't know. In the movies, you see all these people doing these crazy things. Well, I'm not, I'm not going to be crazy. So I watched and watched and I, I didn't see anything come in or out. So I didn't see her spirit leave and I didn't see anyone come together. I just knew that what I was seeing was something not of this world because I could see the room, but it was bigger, it's it's deeper, I could see the fluff. And and then I went and sat at the desk and I was in a daze. I mean, I was like, what am I seeing? And I kept, I got back up and looked a couple times and and I was just like, I didn't know what to do. I really, I, I when faced with something so profound I mean, I didn't do anything wrong, but I, but I, I wish I would have seen more, of course. But you know, of course, she ended up dying, and so what? I ended up saying when I was on um, Unrefined podcast, and I had never said it quite this way, but I think it makes the most sense, is that my prayer opened a portal for this woman, and it did. Literally, my prayer helped her. Maybe it helped her go faster. I didn't think she was dying that fast when I got to the room that day. But I think it just opened things up and she's like, yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready. So, um, yeah, you can ask me more questions, but it's it was something else. I, I just find it fascinating because you just, it, every time we see something of that nature, it, it's like a glimpse. You know, it's it's God giving us a glimpse of seeing something. And now, was that there for her or was that there for you? Are you helping somebody else? Um, by seeing, you know, by talking about this and saying this is something I experienced. So somebody else, you know, when they hear it, don't say, well, I guess, thank goodness I'm not crazy. Or thank goodness, you know, somebody else has experienced what I've seen. And then to some degree, maybe you see this portal, this, this, you know, this crossing over, this, this, I don't know how else to put it. Like you said, there's not really a great word for it. This gate. Okay. And who's to say you can see part of it, but you can't see the, the soul leave or you can't see the angel come together or her family come together. When we talked about Abraham, you know, it joined his ancestors. You know, you always hear those stories of family members reaching out for their loved ones or something of this nature. We don't know. And how much can we see? You know, we only can see what God permits us to see. So when you see something that's supernatural in regards to her, I don't think we necessarily see, and I'm not saying anything about your experience uh, for you, but the way I see it is that I don't necessarily think those things are for that person when we see them, because what that person experiences is that hallucination effect or something, something they're seeing that God wants them to see. The things we see, we're allowed to see. So it's mm -hmm. something that's given to you. It's a gift to you. God's giving you something that you can that you can tangibly see to give you, maybe it's to help grow your faith. Maybe it's to show you, hey, this is what it looks like when someone does cross over. And, and it's just something else that you can relate. And who knows, but 
you'll be talking about this someday and you'll have 10 other people come to you and say, I saw the same thing. Thank you so much for bringing that up because I'm not crazy, you know, or something of that nature. I have never had anybody tell me anything like that ever. That is truly, I've never read it. I've never, I've never heard about it, especially the Stargate. You know, the fact that I recognized it later and I remember looking at my husband, I'm going, I've seen that. And he goes, what do you mean you've seen that? And I said, and I, then I finally told him the story. I said, this was several years ago. This is what I saw. Mm-hmm. I, I just think it's amazing every time we get a glimpse and we see those things and you can't chalk it up to coincidence or you can't chalk it up to, I got something in my contact. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's amazing. All the different yes. things that, that God allows us to see or, or if we're, you know, it, it always says in scriptures, you know, if, if those who have eyes, let them see those who have ears, let them hear. And, and if you're open to those things, if, if, if you've prayed for that discernment, like Ben prayed for, God will allow you to see things. God will allow you to feel his presence. God will allow you to feel the, the angels presence that are there. But, you know, it's it's about your relationship and your walk with God. Amen. I agree. So I do. I, I think that's awesome. I think that story is really profound. I thought that was really cool when I did listen to that for the first time. And I'm sorry, I'm going to switch to a real serious note for a second as we go okay. through, just kind of as a, as a closing note here for you. I think everybody knows someone that's going through um, either hospice care or going through the loss of a loved one or, um, you know, they if they don't, know them personally they have a friend who is going through there i think it's really important that people understand the gift that hospice care can be mm-hmm. and and what hospice really entails and then on top of that being able to hear other people's um you know stories about things about end of life and things it can bring people comfort and it can bring people uh some closure and i think if 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 you're in that case and you and you see someone out there that would benefit from hearing something of that nature, please listen to Marie Betcher and listen to Hospice Encounters and Hospice Explained, depending on what you're needing. Hospice Encounters being more of other people's kind of interactions with the supernatural and things that have happened in their lives or, or in the lives of someone who's passing on or hospice explained where she really goes into what hospice entails and i think that i think that that's a really important thing that i don't think most people totally understand we don't i i found that to be the reason why i brought the podcast up is you know you get to somebody's house you're introducing hospice and people just the need for education was extreme it's just not our common thing we talk about Well, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. It's been an awesome talk, and uh, thank you again. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Dig Bible Podcast, the place where you can't lean on a shovel and pray for a hole. You gotta dig. Be sure to check us out on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. Be sure to like, comment, share, and subscribe. Keep digging.